The sermon for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Uh, The sermon is entitled, Who Do You Say That I Am? Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. O Lord, Son of David, the great confession of faith from the Canaanite woman to which we heard last week as she begged for mercy... For Jesus to heal her ailing, demon-possessed daughter. We know the story that even the dogs shall eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She was relentless in faith. Because her faith was in the identity of Christ. Who he was and is as the Son of God, and as the Son of God, what he had come to do. Now, the identity of Christ is of the utmost importance. And just as it was for the Canaanite woman, there was St. Peter, who as well confessed a great word. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet prior, Jesus also asked, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Indeed, many people had many opinions about who Jesus was. They brought up a select group of extraordinary men. John the Baptist, foretold to be the forerunner, a fighter for the faith, preaching repentance and forgiveness, bold in his proclamation all the way to his death. Elijah, a great faithful prophet who stood firm against the false prophets of his time, against their false god Baal. And how God led Elijah into that whirlwind to heaven. And there was also Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, preaching he would do, proclaiming he would do. Many people falling on deaf ears, this word would be for many. But yet there was Jeremiah continuing and continuing to persevere in this very word. The rock. God. His word. So many people had many different opinions about who Jesus was. They put Jesus in all of these categories. Again, many viewed him as the bread king. Many viewed him as the military king. Many viewed him as just simply like one of the other prophets of the time. And so it is today. When someone asks you, What do you think of Jesus? What answers do you hear? Of course, we will get a variety of answers that simply echo the sentiment of even Jesus' time. Jesus was an extraordinary man. Jesus was a kind man. Jesus was a good role model. And even as it was popular in the early 2000s when I was somewhat younger, Jesus is my homeboy. 
Remember that graphic tee that we would always see at the mall walking by? And I always wonder, what does that really mean? Jesus is my homeboy. But it reminded me that this is what people think of Jesus. Many opinions. The common thread that weaves throughout all of fallen humanity is that Jesus is simply one of many significant figures in our world's history. And of course, as we know, He's not one of many significant figures, but rather he is the ultimate one, the one and only, the rock, the cornerstone, the foundation, only Christ. This is who he is. Only Christ, what he has come to do, only Christ, from where eternal promises flow, that are given and delivered, only Christ. No one else can do such things. Not even the greatest figures of our time in our history has the ability to save and rescue us from the jaws of death. No, only Christ. And when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? He answered, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not only is this the confession of Peter, but this is also your confession of faith. That is, you are the Christ. You are the one and only one who pays the redemptive price for my sin, delivers me from every evil, who provides, preserves, who cares and protects all by way of the cross and empty tomb. Only Christ, who has written each and every one of you in the book of life. Yet Peter would face great trials. That in that trial he would face the greatest as he would hear the rooster crow. Yes, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet we too face the trials of this flesh. When we face great suffering, a great trial, there the devil is saying, if God is so good, why are you still suffering? Are you sure it's only Christ? When our covetous hearts are clamoring for the fleeting things of this world, the flesh says, I need more. Maybe His grace is not sufficient for me. Is it only Christ? When the idolatry of me time, right? My time. That idolatry of time, my priorities, my schedule, my, my way of doing things. The world says, is it only Christ? No, you have more important things to do in your life. And surely the great temptation is to compartmentalize your faith as if this is Jesus' time and this is my time. And in the nature of our sin, in that course, what happens? Well, at the end of the day in our flesh, it becomes, well, solely and in totality, my time. 
And even when the devil accuses you, have you done enough? Look at your sin, the devil says, as he accuses you. Surely no one is able to atone for that sin. Your sin is too heavy. Your sin is unforgivable. Your sin deserves eternal condemnation. And there the evil foe would proceed saying, prove your worth. Work it out. You need to do this. In other words, don't look to the cross. Don't look to the empty tomb. Don't look to the promises of God because the rock will not save you. That's what the devil is saying. And there he gives you the beautiful poison of self-righteousness. And soon Christ becomes simply a life coach. A model which shows you how to save yourselves. How to work your way. Christ becomes simply a motivational speaker, a guru, the one who shows you how to rather than being the one for you. But who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Peter boldly proclaimed, indeed, you are the one Not one of many, but you are the one and only one, the Christ, the anointed one, set apart to do the very unique mission, and that is to bear the sins of the world. You are the Christ. Yet when I look in the mirror and I examine my heart just as you do, that's right. I am a sinner, not just a sinner, but a poor, miserable sinner. That in my sin, in my trespass, I know what I deserve, the wrath of God. That every sin, according to the Ten Commandments, there we see it. How we take for granted God's word. How our idols have become the false saviors in our life. How we say, I am the rock. I trust in self. I trust in my way. I trust in my fallen flesh. And thus we repent. And there we rest upon the rock of our confession. Not I, not you. But you are the Christ the Son of the living God. On this rock, I will build my church. The rock. The unwavering faith of Jesus Christ who willfully went to the cross to die for you. You know, in face of adversity, we crumble. We go to pieces. We flee to our own way. Not Jesus. The rock is steadfast. The rock withstood those excruciating hours on the cross. The rock does not waver that even in his own suffering for the sake of the world, there he suffers for you. His death was for your death. And this is what the rock does. For you. Not one of many but the one who accomplishes salvation for you. His blood outpoured at Calvary. This is the Christ 
grace that covers you, His very blood, His sacrifice, atoning for all your sins. That sin in your life where you wonder, does Christ forgive me for that sin? Yes, He does. Because just as St. John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that is precisely what Jesus does. He takes away your sin and forgives and washes all of them away. You are the Christ. That means there is no other payment price but Christ and His blood. Christ and His sacrifice. There is no other salve for your sin but only the remedy that is in Christ alone. You are the Christ. The one who sees the grave He sees the grave and says three days later, just as he promised, death does not win. Death will never win because Christ destroyed the gates of hell. Christ destroyed eternal death for you. That is what shapes each and every one of us as we confess our faith that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The gates of hell, oh, so how tightly locked it was. But yet by our Lord's work, how these gates have swung wide open, freeing you and giving you life eternal. You are the Christ means the battle has been won. You're not wondering who is the victor. Christ is already the victor for each and every one of you. Because he's a living God. Not a dead God. He's the resurrected God. The one who has delivered you to his marvelous light. Again, Jesus is not one of many important figures in history. No, he is God. The word made flesh. He is the one for you. Justifying you. Declaring you righteous. Forgiving you of all your sins. And thus as St. Peter confessed his faith that day. This is the rock of your confession. I know I only gave rocks to the children to have on their nightstand. But this is your confession too. And it never changes. Because what the rock does, he delivers. And by his deliverance, that is who you are. Covered by the blood of the Lamb. Child of God. So... Who do you say that I am? The next time someone asks you, well, who is Jesus, Jennifer? Jennifer will say, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Sunday Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.